On this episode, we smoke the Drew Estate 20-acre farm, 5 by 54 Robusto, and we talk about supporting the troops in the cigar industry. Welcome to Burn Line. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome to Burn Line Podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Midas. Joining me is Nick the Brick McCann. We are coming to you not live from the hot box, the smoky back room where deals are struck and fortunes are made in the Blanco Lounge of Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. Welcome to Burn Line. Nick, how are we doing this morning? I'm good. I'm the Brick. Nick the Brick. I just made that up because it rhymes. I feel like I should dub in that uh, She's a Brick House song right here. Get us demonetized. Yeah. You don't want to do your own rendition of it? Uh, no. No. I, I better that, stay away from that. That vocal range is... It's, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a little off my... Yeah. <laughs> out, of, out of my repertoire. With the three notes I can sing that were on full display on the blackened episode. Oh, and this is why I sing death metal, because all I have to do is scream. Yeah. Um, that's a joke, by the way. I'm not in the music industry. But if I were... So uh, the 20-acre farm by Drew Estate, really looking forward to this cigar. Um, for those of you that are uh, kind of new to Drew Estate and their product offerings, of course, you might be familiar with Acid. That's a big Drew Estate brand. Um, there's Liga. That's uh, more popular, I think, with the uh, serious cigar guys. Uh, there's Kentucky Fire Cured. Um, the Pappy Van Winkle Special Edition uh, bourbon cigar, which we need to talk about because they have an unholy alliance with KFC. Um, that's a Drew Estate product. And, of course, the 20-acre farm by Drew Estate. So, you know, this is not um, like a, a hidden product line. It says Drew Estate all over the box, all over the cigars. So it is a single cigar that comes in three Vitolas, but it's its own thing. So with the acids, you have kind of several different types. With the Kentucky Fire Cured, you have the regular and the sweets. Um, so this is not so much a cigar line as a cigar that comes in three Vitolas. Yeah, there's no there's no 20-acre Farm Maduro. It's 20-acre Farm refers to one cigar in three sizes, and that is it. That is it. So it is the blend yep. uh, that it refers to. And it is pretty unique because it has a Connecticut wrapper, but it has sun-grown insides on both layers so american sun-grown insides yes the uh 20 acre farm refers to a 20 acre farm in florida usa usa yeah Uh, so we are smoking the five and a quarter by 54 robusto this retails for 1325 here at union cigar hanover while a box of 20 will set you back 239 dollars which comes out to just 11.95 per stick also, uh, you can pre-order, prepay a box here, uh, and that would come out to two twelve, which is just ten dollars and sixty cents a stick, which is pretty damn good for this cigar. That's a lot of quality tobacco for just over ten dollars. So that's the uh, size. Why don't we look at the presentation? First of all, I love the box. It's a very classic cigar box. It's wood with the cedar liner with the brass hinges and. It's predominantly white uh, with gold and red. 
I think the colors work really well together. Open it up. It's got the branding on the inside of the lid, kind of a gold ribbon print on the left and on the right. It has the large Florida sun-grown 20-acre farm by Drew Estate branding. And then it, it talks about it, right? And I'm just going to go ahead and read this on air so you know what we're smoking. The Florida sun-grown farm sits on a magical 20-acre parcel of land located in the rural outskirts of beautiful Claremont, where the fertile soil, intense sun, and heirloom seeds produce a dark air-cured tobacco that is truly unique in every aspect of aroma, taste, and burning qualities. Blended and handmade at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. So, of course, uh, Drew has got their factory in Esteli. And uh, the contents of this cigar, you've got the uh, wrapper is Connecticut, but it's uh, Nicaraguan. So it is Nicaraguan, Connecticut. And, and I'm not sure. I couldn't really find out what they mean by that, right? Because it's definitely a shade-grown wrapper but i i couldn't get details on like is this connecticut seed like how is it connecticut so interesting choice there the binder is sun-grown Honduran habano and then the filler is of course the famous florida sun-grown and then also nicaraguan from esteli and jalapa so you've got a sun-grown sun-grown like i said both layers and then a uh connecticut wrapper so there's your uh basic construction of the cigar now Inside the box, the 20 cigars are stacked in a double layer with cellophane. And it's a pretty interesting uh, presentation. Uh, Nick, give me some commentary on the... So the, the placard you just read off of about a minute ago, um, some companies will submit that in the form of a, a removable card that they put in the box. They'll kind of lay it on the cigar and just have a basic design on the back of the box. But um, in this case... Uh, they 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 put it back like you said the the ribbon on the left, um, Maestro de Puros, Willie Herrera, Kappa Connecticut Shade, Capote, which is binder. I think it says Hunter and Sun Grown ninety nine, and then uh, Tripa, which is filler. FSG Corojo, Florida Sun Grown Corojo, uh, Nicaraguan Jalapa, and Esteli. And then the, I guess the Fortis, Fortis insignia down there on the bottom on that gold ribbon on the left of the back of the box. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like the, uh, kind of the nerdiness of here's what's in it. I think that's, you know, we've talked about it before. Uh, that's becoming, you know, more part of the cigar experience, you know, really similar to, uh, some other natural products like I'm, I'm thinking specifically like wine or coffee where it's not just enough anymore like hey this is a good coffee it's like oh where was it grown and you can't even say yeah. you can't even say south american coffee right yeah no it's got to be like what microbiome in you know in in which state of of which province yeah all of that uh i mean it's cool though like mm -hmm. if it's your hobby that's the thing you Absolutely. know um and then i guess uh uh, Half Wheel is saying that the wrapper is Ecuadorian, shade-grown. So, again, not sure if what they mean by Connecticut, if they just mean shade-grown. Um, because there's there's no information that I could find on whether it's Connecticut seed or whatever. But it's not from Connecticut. So, uh, to me, I don't like that kind of branding. To me, that's like calling something bourbon that is a bourbon but not made in Kentucky. Um, it's It's not the same thing. So... 
that's a that's a little OCD maybe on my part. But what they mean is it's one of those light shade grown wrappers that you often refer to as like a Connecticut cigar. I, I think that's what they're going for. But we'll, we'll get into it later. It's just, uh, for this cigar, it's misleading. It's not. It is misleading. It's not. Uh, it's not all Connecticut soft, creamy, smooth, buttery. There's going to be a little bit of a, a kick to it. Yeah, it's like trick or treat, but mostly the trick part. Yeah. So <laughs> the cigar itself um, is, I don't know, 80% covered in a cedar sleeve with the 20-acre farm and the Drew Estate Bridge stamped on there with a red ribbon on the foot. And I'm going to go ahead and slide that off. Um, if you're new to cigar smoking, that comes off. Please don't light it. The ribbon in particular will mess you up pretty good. And it comes off pretty easily, too. I see a lot of guys... Picking at the, the tape that they use, trying to uh, unwrap it. Yeah, It'll yeah. just slide right off the foot. Yeah, it does. It just slides off. Now, that uh, leaves the primary band, and this is a very classic shape. It's the lozenge with the thin wings that wrap around the back. It's tiny. It's small. Uh, it's white with uh, red and the gold uh, embossed leaf. The laurels. With the laurels, 20-acre farm. Um it, it's really well done. I, I think the presentation on this cigar is, is uh, really well done. Everything goes together. The colors go together. And it has a uh, sort of classic cigar presentation all about it. This is, a, this is more for, for Drew, Drew Estate, that being, this is more towards the, the Liga underground band design as opposed to the Acid Deadwood. Yeah, kind of yeah. side of things. Yeah, they're they're. I think they're definitely positioning this as, you know, a classic premium right. uh, type of smoke. This isn't so. that new age funk graffiti, right. right? Yeah, which you know, Drew Estate kind of struggles with that because they they do both. And uh, I mean, every time a product comes out, when the Blackened came out, what was the first thing I asked you? How much does a hundred of them cost? No, first, thing <laughs> no, it was is it infused? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, the, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, literally, yeah. the first thing I asked was like, you know, so I, I think that's a challenge for Drew Estate, right? It's like, is this on your the acid side of your portfolio, or is this on your Liga side? Because they're two totally different animals, right? Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. It's it's almost, and it's almost from my perspective, 50-50 in their portfolios. Yeah. Like, all right, 50% of it's going to be Pappy KFC and, yeah. uh, you know, something, something tasting. And then, you know, this side, too. Right. Yep. So uh, the wrapper is pretty. It's on the darker side of Connecticut. So I compare this to like a Perdomo, Connecticut. You know, it tends to be a little darker. Um, pretty moderate veining. A little bit of splotching. Overall, a very pretty cigar. Looks to be wrapped well. There's, I've got a little couple of gaps on the cap. But uh, it's a pretty cigar. It, this looks good. And it, it kind of looks like... A movie prop cigar like if you were doing a movie about like mobsters or something and they were smoking they they'd probably have a cigar that looks like this you know just take the band off and you're good to go yeah you got to do that for uh branding purposes right well why don't we go ahead and give this a cut and a light so we can start uh, savoring the flavor um i'm cutting my cigar with my craftsman's bench open-ended double guillotine nick uh i have my drew state freestyle live with the back so, so, as, right. not, so as not to 
pre- or so as to prevent me messing up the cigar this early in the morning. Perfect for a Parejo. And as usual, we remind you to clip that cigar with authority. No limp-wristed cutting allowed in the Burn Line Hotbox Studio. And as always, the official cutting is brought to you by Union Cigar. With two locations, Hanover, Pennsylvania and Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So if you're out there on the road doing the Gettysburg thing, maybe you're here for the bike rally, uh, stop by the shop and uh, say hi. We'll grab a stick and uh, talk some cigar nonsense. And we're tapping the dottle off of the smoking end of the cigar. So this is something that Nick the Brick showed me, and I've been doing it ever since. Just get those little free specks of tobacco off. So this this Florida tobacco, this Florida filler, um, I think for those wondering, was grown in Florida, exported to Nicaragua, and then re-imported in the form of a cigar. Yes, that's correct. Um, so that might be might be a reason why the price is thirteen twenty five. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm sure that contributes. Not to mention the fact that stuff from America is more expensive. Right. You know, right. Full stop. The every aspect of growing, the cost of fuel, you know, everything. So, all right. Well, that's a pretty good cut. I'm not super satisfied with my cut. I got it at a slight angle, and it's going to bother me for the rest of the show. I don't think it'll affect the smoke. It just affects my personality. So why don't we go ahead and toast this cigar up. I'm using my Vertigo 4 Flame Butane Jet Lighter. And as always, we remind you to toast your cigar, not roast it. Toast it, not roasted. Toast it, not roasted. Toast it, not roasted. It's toasted. I get it. And I have some special news for the audience today. I am not drinking coffee. So I took a vow of abstinence, and I will not be consuming any more coffee um, for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> Saturday morning special, right? Yeah, yeah, Saturday morning special. Saturday morning abstinence. No, so uh, Nick very kindly brought me a very large cup of uh, tea from from a company that we're not going to name on air, but they make good tea, so thank you. Thank you, Nick the Brick. You're welcome. I needed some myself, so I figured I'd offer. So a couple of notes. The first is, I noticed this when I was clipping, and maybe you did. Um, The leaf is a little brittle compared to some other uh, cigars. Like when you clip it and... I guess I would associate that with a thicker leaf. The wrapper leaf, you you mean? No, actually, I'm talking about the binder and filler. Um, it was flaky. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yeah, it's flaky. It's it's a little seems a little thicker, and then um, it lit very well. And I mean, it's a perfect light, and it did that quickly. And I'm getting getting plenty of smoke, and so Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> that is wow. That is good. So I I think uh, that has to do with the primings, right? I think there's a lot more like mid, you know, like Seiko primings in this than, you know, there's such a big focus on like Lajero these days. Um, And I think there's a lot of lower and mid primings in this cigar based on how it cut. 
But that's not, and that's not always a. I mean, Willie Herrera and these guys down at Drew, and I'm sure these guys at Florida Sun Grown, they know exactly what they're doing. So lower priming doesn't necessarily mean lower quality. No, in fact, it's the other way around because the lower primings burn better. Yep. Right. And that's that's the balance is mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, typically the, the lower primings are not where you go for your super flavor, right? But it is where you go to get the cigar to burn right. And, you know, based on how I clipped this and how it uh, toasted up, um, it's really well done. It's probably the probably the best light I've gotten on a cigar since we've had the show. And I hear a lot of guys talk about uh, Maduro this, Maduro that, Oscuro this, Oscuro that. Because they, they like, I don't know, it's the manly essence of smoking a cigar. They like being that guy that can smoke the big, big dark cigar. It punched me in the tonsils and I punched back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I love Connecticut's. Yeah. Like, I, I breathe secondhand smoke constantly all the time. Like, I, cigars are my, cigars are my thing. But Connecticut, a good Connecticut shade wrapper is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And so don't, if you're out there and you're one of those people that, enjoys a Maduro and gravitates towards Maduro's in the humidor, don't don't look past a Connecticut. Um, you're going to have to smoke it differently. It's not going to be the same experience. Um, so so change your expectations, but it can be just as good, just as rewarding, I think, to smoke a good Connecticut. Well, and riffing off of that, you know, uh, the Connecticut's are still, still outsell all of the other types by a significant margin. I, th- I think Connecticut's outsell all the rest put together. Um because they're more accessible, right? They're not going to knock you on your ass. You know, you give a beginner a Padron and they won't come back to cigars for months, right? Maybe years. Um, however, for people that, you know, kind of develop their tolerance and their palate, you know, a lot of them move away from Connecticut's. And the, the Connecticut becomes, uh, you know, more intermittent or rare. And that's because of the strength. And that's where this cigar comes in. Um, yeah, I would say that it's mid-bodied starting off. You know, it's, it's not full-bodied. Um, but the immediate notes, first of all, the, I would call the carrier note cedar. There's a very, very yeah. heavy cedar, probably from the wrapper, right? Yeah. Uh, get, getting wrapped in that sleeve. The cedar sleeve, yeah. Uh, and right, right after that, chasing it down my, down my throat is pepper, yep. right, from that sun-grown. So it's sun-grown, sun-grown Connecticut. Um, and so this is a Connecticut that has some kick to it. So if, if you like Nicaraguan cigars, if you like spicy cigars... And you like Connecticut's, this is a pretty unique offering. Yeah, best of both worlds a little bit here. Yeah, a little bit. And and so you know, like I was I was kinda like, okay, I'm gonna Google this. I don't see anything else in the humidor. So I couldn't find anything that was similar construction. I think this is a, a unique cigar uh, in that regard. Well that's because a lot of the time, um, you know, a lot of big marketing teams on these cigar in these cigar companies they know that when you see this light wrapper, you think light cigar, right, right? Light flavor, light body, and so they're not going to be like you know your most hated company is going to be the company that tricks you into thinking you're going to smoke a light cigar, and then all of a sudden, bam, you know it's it's right. the fullest thing you've had in a week. <clears throat> so they do. I mean, most company ninety nine percent of companies do a good job of keeping in line with the customer expectation. Yeah, the assumption that you're going to make right. walking around the humidor. Um, and, and rightfully so, um, but some of them do, you know, subvert that, that psychological kind of, uh, default that your mind goes to, and they, they will put some kick into these. 
Well, they did a great job here, and I think this fills a, a pretty good hole in the, the humidor. So kudos, hats off to, to Drew for pulling this off. Um, so my initial tasting notes, the cedar is very strong and the pepper. There's also oak. Like there's a wood in there that is not cedar. Um, and uh, there's definitely like a citrus kind of uh, tang in there. Um, so we'll keep enjoying this. I like the smoke output. Um, the smoke is just kind of medium, I guess. Um, I think it has a good, good smoke output. It's not a smoke bomb, but it's definitely there. I've got a, a nice amount of back pressure where I do have to draw on the cigar. It's not like throwing the smoke at me. Uh, but when I take a nice, you know, low, slow, even draw, I'm just getting a good mouthful of smoke. It's, it's, right there where it should be right in the middle yeah mine's burning well too yours is burning well i can see you know get the wrapper you know cherry in the middle and then the wrapper kind of burns when you pull on it yeah it's uh quite excellent 54 gauge yeah a little little stout for a robusto yeah for a and for a connecticut i'd say too because i mean connecticut's uh, you usually see the the darker cigars that they make in the you know 54 and up 56 60 mm-hmm Connecticut's usually hover around the 50, 52 on their big, on their on the bigger side. And I think that goes back into the, you know, this is not a big, heavy, yeah. you know, cigar. Um, on the retrohale, I'm also getting like a creamy leather kind of kind of flavor. I think so. You pretty, do. Uh, you just did a big ass retrohale. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you, you do that a lot. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I really like to. You know, experiment with the with the smoke in my palate. And, yeah. You know, sometimes I'll keep it like in the front of my palate. Sometimes I'll take it all the way back to the tonsils. Swish, swish it around sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Try to try to pick out some flavors. Francisco does this trick to people when he's here when he's hand rolling. Francisco Almonte, DBL cigars, of course, where he hands them like a pretty strong cigar and asks them to do a full retrohale of, of the entire mouthful of smoke, and usually guys like choke and tear up. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Use with caution. Yeah. And this is actually pretty strong on the retrohale. Like that that pepper really comes out. So this is not a cigar that I'm going to be retrohaling every puff, which you know, I I retrohale a lot when I'm smoking. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, re- I retrohale too much for sure too. Yeah. Well, this will remind you. Mm-hmm. Singed nose hairs. So uh of course Willie Herrera is the master blender at Drew Estate. Um so according to uh to Drew, um, basically he took this sun-grown tobacco from the 20-acre farm, and then he mixed it with long fillers from Esteli and Jalapa in Nicaragua, which are also uh, sun-grown. And then the binder is Honduran Habano, also sun-grown, and then wrapped it all up in this Ecuadorian Connecticut uh, wrapper. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting blend there. Like, this is definitely a like an artistic kind of cigar. This is somebody that knows their tobaccos and had this idea like, hey, if I put these together, this is going to be something special. And and I think I think it is. I think they nailed it. And two, I mean, Florida is the closest part of America that you're going to get to a South American climate. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, probably far and away, and I'm not the one to be able to tell you this, but probably far and away, two completely different worlds. <clears throat> two completely different worlds between Esteli and, you know, Claremont, I think it said. Claremont, yeah. Yeah, um, 
interesting sort of resurrection. I was I was kind of reading up on it, and I guess Florida used to produce quite a bit of tobacco, and mostly associated with costs. And you know, like it, it's n- it's not so much like the hindrances to uh, production in the U.S. are primarily political. You know, it's it's not the cost of labor; it's the cost of all of the regulations that really, yeah, that have to be followed for everything. I feel like the layperson would automatically uh, blame labor cost. Yeah, yeah, no, that's not it. Like, sure, labor costs are more expensive. Um, not not too much of the growing and harvesting, you know, is uh, it, it's labor intensive. But if you average the cost out over each leaf that's being harvested, it's not that big of a deal. You know, when you're producing millions of cigars, it adds up. But you're not paying for all of those. You're paying for one stick, right? Right, right. But, yeah, I mean, like, you have to have a legal team for, you know, that's an expert in everything. It's it's the FDA, but it's also, like, ag, you know, the ag administration. Um, there's the problem of subsidies in the farming industry where, you know, well, do I grow this tobacco on this land or do I grow corn because I'm going to get a 15% government subsidy and two, I uh, I sent you a reference earlier this week to an article about weather. Yep, yep, weather. So, unfortunately, it looks like this year's entire crop was destroyed by hail, and it was literally like the week before they were going to start harvesting. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that that you know large hail is something that you're a you're a Texas guy. You've been you lived in Texas for a little while. Dallas mm-hmm. is Dallas is and notorious Houston. for. Uh, their hail, summer hailstorms. Yeah, but I'm not so sure that Nicaragua, Ecuador, Honduras get as much hail as we do. Yeah, I'm 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 not an expert in their weather, but uh, I'd be willing to bet that they probably get less any frozen precipitation. Yeah, <laughs> they, they probably get less, right? But these, I mean, these the holes this hail left in these tobacco plants in Florida were massive. Oh yeah, it like was all just, our all our listeners should go Google like Google picture search because it was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it looked like somebody took a giant shotgun and just blasted yeah. that blasted that farm. Yeah. So our uh, thoughts and prayers with Jeff Borisowicz, something Polish. I've only seen it written down. Jeff, I apologize for slaughtering your name. I'm just going to call you Jeff B. But uh, hat off to him for what he's doing over there. Um, and we're really sorry to hear that. I'm sure, you know, hopefully insurance and stuff will will kick in, but I don't know what that means for the 20-acre farm cigar. You know, we might have a, a hole in production next year. Um, we'll we'll kind of see, have to see how that goes. So, Well, we've got some pretty good tasting on this, some pretty good flavors. I like the burn. I like the smoke output. I like the flavors. Again, not your typical Connecticut. Uh, this is definitely, you know, on the stronger side of mid-bodied. Uh, why don't we talk about supporting the troops with cigars? So, you know, we recently came off of Memorial Day where we consider the sacrifices that these men and women have. Uh, really, we can do what we do here at Burnline, you know, because we have people that stand at the ready to protect our freedom and, and our ability to live this lifestyle. And one of the ways that we can support the troops is with cigars so not everybody smokes cigars but a lot of people do and a lot of troops do right and thankfully the cigar industry um, you know has really stepped up to the plate there and there's quite a bit of ways that we can support 
our military uh, through cigars and by sharing that cigar experience, you know, with our troops. And there are there are a good deal of national programs, um, but even in our own, even in the room next to us, John, um, there's a, a box for an organization called Cigars for Warriors, which I'm I'm sure you'll get into in a minute. Um, but also any time uh, active or retired service member stops in a Union Cigar, um, we will gladly give you a 10% discount um, mm-hmm. as a way of showing our thanks. Yeah, so um, Operation Cigars for Warriors is a very large organization. They're, they're all over the U.S., and uh, typically they'll have a collection box or basket, or in our case, a pretty cool-looking ammo can. And you can just buy a cigar and drop it in there, and we get those shipped off uh, to the troops. Um, there's a few other programs as well. So, you know, if you want to support the troops and show your appreciation, that's as simple as you pick up a stick for yourself, pick up a stick for somebody else. You know, buy whatever you're buying, buy two. Somebody else has a similar palette, right? You can drop one in there. Um and we get those out to the troops and it just it shows our appreciation and it's something you know that is not war for them you know it's it's that part of being human where they can relax have a cigar enjoy life and uh you know that that's pretty special you know and also as far as and this is um maybe a topic that i'm not qualified to talk about but i understand that there's some difficulties with um, post-deployment reintegration. Um, and I actually have heard a lot of guys say, well, while I was on, while I was, you know, on tour, while I was touring, I smoked cigars and me and my buddy shared those, but now they can come back into the States and go to a cigar lounge and feel comfortable because they've had cigars before. They've talked about cigars before. And then this can be a, you know, a second home for them. Right, right. A second community. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And shout out to my brother, G.I. Joe, Staff Sergeant, actually Platoon Sergeant, 82nd Airborne down there in North Carolina. Uh, Joe, thanks for smoking cigars with me, and we appreciate your service. There's a couple of other programs out there. Um, Shout out to Gars for Gunners, uh, Smoke-Ins program. Um, They do something really similar, right, where they distribute cigars to... Uh, military folks. Um, Southern Draw yep. is a veteran-owned company. Robert Holt, Sharon yep. Holt. Yep, Robert and Sharon over there at uh, Southern Draw. Uh, Blanco does a lot for the troops as well. In fact, uh, Dave Blanco is a veteran. Um, so some connections there, you know, between people who are actually in the cigar industry and our military. Um, also, uh, Ammo Door. So Ammo Door makes ammo box humidors they're so they're so cool yeah they're they're super cool um and humidors for heroes uh donates humidors to troops so yeah donate cigars but if you don't smoke them now what's gonna happen i'll I'll tell you what's gonna happen in afghanistan they're gonna get dry really fast you know Uh, so maybe donate a humidor you know that's a 75 percent boveda too yeah yeah 75 percent boveda for sure just fucking throw a bucket of water in there you know we keep our cigars submerged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take them out and they're dry in half a second. Um, but yeah, if, if you're looking to donate, you know, a higher ticket item, uh, a humidor is a great choice. So 
you can donate cigars, you can donate uh, humidors, and it's just it's a great way we can be involved, show our appreciation um, for all of our military out there, at, you know, at a very accessible um, access and price point. You know, I can just drop a cigar in this box. It's, it's no big deal, right? Yeah, and as far as transparency goes, too, guys, um, it's 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 simp- it's as simple as that. You you put the cigar in the box. I personally pack them up and ship them to uh, Florida to Cigars for Warriors, and then they'll distribute them from there, and that's it. Easy, painless, and you know, a great way to both share our passion and hobby, you know, while saying thank you to the brave men and women out there um, in our military. So. That's a little bit about cigars for troops. I thought it was, you know, good timing with uh, Memorial Day, and uh, there's a really active segment, I guess, in the cigar community that is veteran or active duty military, or both. Oh my gosh, uh, uh, maybe half. Yeah, I'm trying to think about the the folks that I know that come in here on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a it's vast. The, there is a lot. So there's a there is a connection there, and and we can foster that. So, touching back on the cigar, it is burning pretty well. My uh, burn line got a little crooked. I had a section of leaf that uh, on the wrapper that burned a little more quickly. So, I've got a little uneven burn here. But uh, smoke output is still good. I think the uh, I think the shock of the pepper when I first lit up is, I, I think I'm adjusted to it. I don't think it's gone down, but I think I'm adjusted to it. Um, I think the cedar has dropped off and the oak has picked up. And there's definitely still that citrus note, and I think the leather is getting a little stronger. I burned my tongue on my tea this morning, so uh, I get cedar, cedar spice and cream. Uh, the, the smoke is creamy, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think the Connecticut wrapper like contributes to that, or yeah. whatever the hell Ecuadorian shade grown, yeah, whatever it is, light wrapper thing. Yeah. It's Hashtag a not Connecticut. Yeah, it's like it's I don't know. It's tough to unpack sometimes. Sometimes you'll see. I actually wanted to reference the capote too because it's it says Honduran Sun Grown ninety nine. You said it's Habano ninety nine. So is that right? You said Habano. Yeah, yeah. Um, so ninety nine refers to the year that that uh, seed varietal was hybridized. Yep. Um, and so you'll see Corojo. 98 or 99 Criollo 97 yeah, that's yeah. a popular one yeah. that's that's just the year that they kind of created that strain mm-hmm. um there's a habano 2000 i think um so yeah there's just there's a lot of i don't know part of what we want to do here at Burnline is uh, bring that information to you and kind of dissect it for you because they'll throw it on the box and and you can read it but you know you might not always know what it means sometimes Uncommon knowledge for the common person. And with that, it is time for our tobacconist tip of the week. Nick, take it away. And now, your tobacconist tip of the week with Nicholas McCann. So for the tobacconist tip of the week this week, it's kind of appropriate that we're smoking a Drew Estate because you may love the 20-acre farm, but you also may love a Cuba Cuba from time to time. Or a fat bottom Betty from time to time. And so my tip to you all this week is please store them separately. These cigars will pick up. You're talking about uh, flavored cigars. Yes, yeah. I Sorry, apologize. infused. Yes. Whatever you want to call it. Not Yeah. So, so the separation of 
non-infused, non-flavored cigars from your infused flavored cigars. Um, because the the non-infused, non-flavored cigars will pick up on the notes and the flavorings from the the acids, the deadwoods, the KFC, the pappy, the stuff like that. So store them in ideally two separate humidors. Um, and if that's not an option for you, bag the flavored ones up in your humidor, um, throw a boba in there, and just keep them separate. You know, we want to limit contact, physical contact between the wrapper leaves. Um, but even there's that like aromatic contact that uh, the non-flavored, non-infused cigars will absorb. Yeah, that's right. Even if they're wrapped in cello, just don't just throw them all in the same humidor. And those uh, KFCs in particular, um, whatever it is, like they will infuse all the other cigars, will taste like charcoal. Um, so great call out this week, Nick. We appreciate it. If you enjoy flavored cigars, store them separately from your non-flavored cigars, and then you will still have flavored cigars and non-flavored cigars instead of a humidor full of flavored cigars. Yeah. More flavored and less slightly flavored cigars. Right, right. Speaking of flavor, I like that with this cigar, you know, it's light enough that I can really taste and enjoy all the flavors. Um, It's not over, you know, it's not overly flavored. There's just a few really complimentary flavors going on. It it hasn't uh, changed flavor that much. It's all the same flavors. It's just kind of their presence, you know, which one is in front and which one is in back. Um, I do like the pepper component, that uh, sort of oak leather cream. It's like if you took a, a stick of oak and then you wrapped it in saddle leather and then you just dipped it into, like, fresh milk from the cow and as you pull it out of the bucket, all of the cream that floats to the top, like, sticks to that stick. And then if you cut it up like a prosciutto, you know, like it's rolled up, and then you just rolled that around on your tongue, that's kind of what I'm getting here. This is why people make fun of cigar smokers. This is why people make fun <laughs> of cigar smokers. We need to get you to write a book or something, man. You got to write. I need you to describe to me the, the parking lot outside, you know. I'm Johnny Midas, and I'm bringing you all of the notes in the most creative way possible. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's surprisingly strong. Like, it, you know, I often distinguish between body and strength and those are often conflated I think historically conflated in the cigar industry I'm not sure they should be so the body of this smoke is medium I think it is full stop medium it's not medium full it's not light it's medium but it's strong the the cigar is, is strong you know um, the the like I can't retrohale every every puff and you know you might notice my voice changing normally I can exhale smoke and talk at the same time it's a little more difficult like you can you can feel it you know on your your throat and your palate so it's a very interesting smoke it's very enjoyable I think you know for folks that uh, are new to cigars it's probably accessible it will seem strong for veteran smokers uh, this definitely has enough kick to it to keep you interested and engage with a cigar. Yeah, I think it's um, especially for those Maduro guys. Like, try it in the first half of the day. Yeah, try yeah. it. You know, if you're gonna if you smoke this at the same time that you smoke your 770 Maduro, yeah, it's gonna be a light cigar. But you know, try it in the first half of the day. You know, early morning. Um, you know, before lunch, after breakfast, maybe with a cup of coffee. Nice. You know, 
nice creamy cup of coffee. I think it'd be perfect. Well, I'm definitely enjoying it. Great product here from Drew Estate. And I think it is time for our cigar news of the week. Nick, what have you got for us? Cigar News. Here is your host, Nicholas McCann. I have a a small last-minute edition real quick. La Roma de Cuba just... um, Released a, a Connecticut breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. La Aroma de Cuba. Yeah. La Aroma de Cuba is made by my father and distributed by Ashton. Yep. And you probably recognize the band because they're the really fancy band with the little with the the woman's head on it and yep. and all of that. And then they'll have like the colored band underneath, like the red Reserva, yep. uh, the blue. What is it? Passion. Yep. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And they have a big announcement for us. Yeah, they just released a, a Connecticut shade, um, La Roma de Cuba. So it's going to be the same as, I guess, the OG La Roma de Cuba. So the the El Jefe, which is, you know, the big size, the the Amensa, um, Red Foot Band, and just the one single band with the lady on it that you described. Mm-hmm. But with this Connecticut shade wrapper, it's going to be uh, a shade of yellow. So the foot band's not going to be red. The foot band's going to be yellow. And the the regular band with the lady on it is going to have yellow background undertones, stuff like that. So just wanted to throw that out there. And that's going to be something that uh, if you're in the Union area, uh, look out for in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's a that's a first. So La Roma de Cuba hasn't put out a Connecticut before. So interesting uh, choice. What else have we got today? So I wanted to talk about uh, quarter one premium cigar imports. Um for 2023 so the cigar association of uh, cigar association of america caa an industry trade group um has noted that quarter one 2023 premium cigar imports are down 8.8 almost nine percent compared to quarter one of 2022 interesting but i don't see normalization of the data right so what i would want to know is what the last few years looked like if you know, post-COVID, everyone was stocking up. I know cigars were hard to get uh, during COVID. So it's possible that, you know, this 8% dip or whatever is really just normalization of the data. Right. Um, unfortunately, I don't see like a graph over time, you know, right. of, of imports. Um, so interesting. I don't know what that means for the cigar smoker, you know, in terms of pricing and availability. Um Typically, though, your importing is a function of demand. So, the or, or production, right? Well, the the importing is a function of demand. Whether the import can be met is a function of production, and this okay. is where the bullwhip okay. effect comes in. Yeah. So, of course, I'm in supply chain and business and and big business. You know, I've I've been a manager of you know some. Fortune 100 companies and and some very large international companies. Um, And so I'm a little bit familiar with supply chain and the bullwhip effect happens. You know, when you snap a bullwhip like that, that wave travels all the way down to the tip and then travels back, right? So there's actually games we play in the NBA program, you know, where uh, we have demand at the retail level and we try to meet the demand without you know, choking something. It's actually uh, pretty challenging. Like, you can get PhDs in this stuff, right? So in the cigar industry, the uh, bullwhip effect can be significantly pronounced. Um, 
And the problem is, you know, it comes from a natural product. Like you have to grow the tobacco. And so you don't want to grow too much, right? That's not good for business. You definitely don't want to not grow enough. Um, but then people have to be able to put the tobaccos together, you know, in into a cigar and blend it. And this is where your um, your higher prices come in. You know, San Andres Mexican Maduro is becoming popular, so it's going up in price. Same thing with your Pennsylvania Broadleaf for wrappers. Um, you know, initially there was there was kind of demand for this tobacco because it was so good at a good price point. But well, now that there's more demand, that's changing, right? So you have the uh, flexibility of the pricing and demand, you know, for the individual leaf. And then uh, that's also where discount tobacco comes in. You know, I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of Volato left over and, you know, it's, it's not suitable for wrappers and, you know, I'm, I'm, I need to sell it, you know? So when, when we look at uh, import numbers, it's not necessarily a uh, reflection of what cigars are being smoked. It is a reflection of what cigars I have in my warehouse you know, here stateside. Um, and then another factor that really affects this is the floor tax. So I think uh, Maryland right across the border is 13%, something like that. Um, you know, it, it should be illegal and this should be challenged in court. So anybody out there, you know, that wants to, basically these states are charging you a tax when you purchase the premium cigars instead of when you sell them. Um, and so, there's a significant cost to importing. You know, once it's here, you know, on on your soil, you actually have to pay for it. Now is that is that different than sin tax? Uh, sin tax, sin tax is the way that you form letters and sounds Sent and put your sentence structure. <laughs> yes, <laughs> syntax. Yeah. No, sin s i n tax t a x. Uh, yeah, that's that's a catch-all for. Uh, Behaviors that are sins, like drinking alcohol or smoking cigars or anything else that you pretty much fucking enjoy, is uh, obviously a sin. So we're going to tax it. Um, yeah, no, it, that's just a catch-all term for uh, taxing vices and and unnecessary things. Um, it's typically upon consumption, right? And that's what uh, that's what we're used to the VAT tax, which is common in Europe, value added tax. When you sell something, it's like a sales tax, right? A floor tax, you're actually paying tax on product that you haven't sold yet, so you're actually taxed in the act of acquisition, and that's the reason we dumped all that fucking tea in the harbor. So all of you asshats that are sitting around Baltimore or wherever, you need to get your shit together and stop being communist and start supporting the American way. So, uh, just kidding. I love you guys. We're best friends. Um, so, uh, but that does really affect importing. Like you can't import too much if you have that kind of taxation going on. Uh, and I think there's other factors, you know, the dramatic increase in tax in New York, for example, well, they're not going to be importing. They're going to be importing. Like I'm, I'm going to run out of cigars and then import because it's just too damn expensive. But I feel like too. I feel like as well, um, like let's say, for example, um, year, you know, year, fiscal year 2022, China bans the importation of, of cigars, premium tobacco products. And then 2023, they open it back up. 
I think like all other major markets are going to see a decline because demand in another area is going to go up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's, it could be a, a political thing. Trade to- there could be you know uh, trade talks for you know these Central American countries in the United States where import taxes being debated and there's a halt for a couple weeks on you know um, quantity of imports. Yeah, it's definitely a global market, right? So you're going going to see politics in other regions of the world affect everybody else, and also uh, you know because it's a grown product and because of demand elasticity, that's the term that we use, right? Because of that, um, you can consider 100% of the tobacco crop being used, which means 100% of the cigars are being distributed. What that means is if we're competing with Sweden and Italy uh, for cigar consumption, then whoever's producing the cigar has to decide who gets what, right? Yeah, which market gets the, the spoils, which market gets, um, yeah, it's like, uh, which one of your kids are you going to give your inheritance to, John? <laughs> yeah, they don't get an inheritance. So um, I think where, where this maybe can make a lot of sense to people is with Cubans, right? Because there's really a, a limited supply of Cuban cigars and high demand. Um, SA, you know, uh, the company that, the state-run company that decides how to distribute Cubans, you know, they're making that calculus every year to, you know, kind of maximize their relationships and their profits and all of that. Um, and that's also why you see such high prices, right? So, yeah, the the whole whole industry is global and interrelated. Um, so all of that's like a long-winded way of saying we don't actually know what this data means, uh, but it is interesting. So we kind of all celebrate when imports go up, but I didn't you know, in 2022, because the imports were up because they couldn't import anything during COVID, you know, and so everybody was scrambling and struggling to get cigars back in stock and on the shelf and all that. So, you know, don't don't read too much into it. But thank you for sharing that news tidbit with us, Nick the Brick. Yeah. And I mean, especially the last seven years or so is going to be a seven year period that's studied by folks like yourself and, um, you know, business classes and schools across the world because of the because of the uh the trials and tribulations of of a global pandemic and shutdown of production and stuff like that so like you said it's it's interesting to read but it's not something to uh you know pump the brakes emergency brakes on for right yep yeah it's a standalone data point so there you go well let's get back to this cigar I guess I'm probably halfway through, and a couple of comments, you know, I think the first is, this is a surprisingly slow-burning cigar. You know, it's a five and a quarter by 54, and I've got a solid three, if I count the ash, three and a half inches of cigar left, and we're 52 minutes into the podcast. Um, This might be an hour and a half smoke, so five and a quarter by 54, you know, Decent, decent sized uh, cigar, but it's a robusto. You know, it's a fat robusto, but it's a robusto. Um, it it smokes pretty uh, pretty slowly, and at the same time, I think uh, that probably is the reason why the uh, smoke is such high quality. You know, it's not the cigar's not getting too hot. You know, usually 
a faster burning cigar. It's it's burning more quickly, which right. means it's burning hotter. Hotter, yeah. Yeah. I still have uh, a lot of leather, creamy leather, um, cedar, oak, pepper, citrus, and all of the flavors work really well together. There's not none of none of those flavors are like knocking the other ones out. You know, they're not competing. They just they they're just kind of all there working in tandem. It's it's very enjoyable, and like I said, it's a uh, it's still a strong cigar. You you know, I'm I'm feeling the burn like when I retrohale. Um, and, uh, that, that spice, you know, it's, it's tickling every aspect of the palate, but it still has that, uh, sort of, uh, velvety cream feeling that's coming from the Connecticut wrapper. And mine's kept, mine's kept well intact. Um, there hasn't been any, uh, like heat expansion points that have led to cracking in the wrapper mm-hmm. or the binder poking through, um, Burn line is not razor sharp, but it's like it is not a cause for concern at all. There's a there's a point in every cigar I think where you kind of realize, all right, this is gonna be this is gonna give me issues, or this is gonna be one that's you know I can sit back and relax on. And this has been one that I I haven't had to pay too much attention to. Interestingly, neither of us have touched up our cigar for the whole podcast, and that's rare because we talk a lot. You know, we're we're paying attention to what we're saying more than you know, keeping the cigar burning well. Um, and I think that's a tribute to the primings that were used. So I mentioned earlier, I'm detecting a lot of like lower mid primings in this. I think that's one reason why it's burning so well, uh, why it's burning, you know, slowly, uh, the very consistent smoke output. And, uh, yeah, so I would say, you know, this is a great cigar if you're outside, if you're doing stuff that might distract you from, uh, from smoking your cigar, it, it feels like it's not going to accidentally go out on you. Um, we haven't seen any, you know, burn issues, canoeing, that sort of thing. Um, despite the fact that we're talking about like import reports and stuff like that, you know, so pretty versatile, I would say. The figby is really, real sweet on the golf course or like on, on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I agree. Really nice one for that, for those yeah. scenarios. Yeah. Awesome. Excellent. So I think it is time to rate this cigar, the 20 Acre Farm from Drew Estate, five and a quarter by 54 Robusto. And why don't we start with presentation? Nick, what are your thoughts on presentation? The presentation on this cigar is sweet. Uh, nice red foot bands. I love the cedar on the cigar. It just It can only help with aging and um, the maturation of flavors, the mixing of flavors. The primary band is small, um, simple, but... Well done. I think this is an eight. I give this an eight for presentation. I like the box too. Yeah, I agree. I have it as an eight as well. I think this is a great classic cigar presentation. It's beautiful. I like the uh, cello. So, you know, uh, when I have this conversation with folks, um, sometimes the cellophane is a detractor from... Uh, presentation. Uh, I always prefer cigars in cello wrap and, you know, it, it may sound, uh, you know, I don't know, sissy, but it's a cigar that's sitting out in a humidor and I don't know who's touched it, sniffed it, finger fucked it. So I, uh, really, uh, actually like cello on my cigars. So it, it they are cello wrapped, the double stack of 10, 
uh, is like the perfect shape cigar box. Um, the gold accent, all of that. Really, the colors work well. The band is classic. Uh, I've got to go with an eight on this. And price at thirteen twenty-five for a five and a quarter by fifty-four robusto. Nick, what are your thoughts? So my f- my first ever thought when we got the cigar and it was expensive, um, especially for like a Drew product like this. So you know I was comparing it to Undercrown Shade, which you know rings in around ten dollars for around the same size. Um, Hoya de Nicaragua, right? Antonio, Connecticut, uh, ten to eleven for around the same size. Hoya Cabaneta, nine to ten fifty for around the same size. Um, so my first thought was expensive, um, and I think that the the quality's there. Um, it, I guess this is the this is the price we pay for um, a little bit of Florida tobacco and um, you know real solid, real nice box. Um, so I, I I would give it a seven. All right, so Nick has got a seven for price. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a little steep, but I think it's misleading, and and the reason I say that is. You know, we're an hour into the podcast, and it's only halfway smoked. So I think some people are going to, you know, choke on the price point a little bit. Um, it's it's a little challenging, but I definitely think you get your money's worth. So from a value perspective, I've got a seven as well uh, for price. But I could go six, you know, just for the consumer walking in and looking at it. If I'm going to pay 13 bucks for a stick, um, there's a lot of choices out there. And I might not be willing to try something that's new and different and Connecticut wrapped. And pr- I, honestly, every week, John, pricing is the is I struggle with the most. This question is, you know, is it worth it? Is this value equal to the cigar? And there, you know, we think about Sober Mesa from Dunbarton, right? That's uh, a buck and a quarter more mm-hmm. for the same size. And, you know, that's a tempting proposition. You think about Ashton, mm-hmm. which you can get an Ashton for this size for probably two, two and a half more. Um so it's just uh, prices. T- prices like it's all feel. Yeah, yeah. All right, moving on to construction. Nick, what have you got? Oh, this was uh, just short of perfect. Uh, nine, nine from Nick. All right. So the uh, the construction, like the bunching of the binder and filler. Um, pretty impeccable you know i can tell by the way that it's burning that this is a well constructed cigar had a couple of issues Uh, my cap was loose Um, additionally i had two feathers i call them feathers on the wrapper which is where at least one layer of the wrapper leaf kind of flakes off but it's still attached at one end Um, neither one went through the wrapper um but still detracted from the experience, and then you're kind of like fingering it, and should I pull it off, and, and all of that. Um, I've got a 7 for construction, which gives us a composite of 8. And flavor. Nick, what are your thoughts on the flavor of this 20-acre farm from Drew Estate? Um, the flavor on this one was, I'm can, can I say complicated but simple? Sure, yeah. It wasn't simple, basic... Um, like one flavor the entire time, but it was, it was like a, a an adequate layer of of flavors that worked well together and didn't. 
there wasn't any like, ooh, what was that? You know, oh, I got, the, you know, on that last pull, I got something weird, um, which happens sometimes. So, you know, for me, it was the same three the whole time, and they kind of layered on each other and, you know, came in and out at different points of the cigar. So um, I, I give it a seven. Seven from Nick on flavor. Yeah, I would echo that. Um, not a flat cigar, not a one-note cigar. Um, it didn't change much. It was kind of the same flavors, some taking the front seat, some taking the back seat, swapping seats, all of that, um, and a pretty unique flavor. Uh, there's not any cigar I can think of off the top of my head that kind of matches this, but having that uh, spicy sun-grown, you know, wrapped in uh, kind of a creamy Connecticut wrapper, uh, well done and unique. So I give it a seven as well for flavor. And now our most subjective and most important metric, uh, experience. Nick, tell me about your experience with this cigar. Um, this is a, for me, it's a seven. Um, the presentation and the construction give it plus points, but there's, I don't know. I want to know more about um, Florida Sun Grow, and I want to know more about, um, you know, kind of what went into making the cigar. There's... I don't get a lot of story with it. I don't get a lot of background with it. And that's that's what I'm a little bit invested in. I want to know about the basement that this concept was born in and, uh, you know, that the guy sold his last pair of sneakers to, to grow this, buy this last seed of tobacco so he can grow this. You know, I want to know about that stuff. And I feel like this is uh, another product on the shelf for, for in some senses. Um, so, yeah, seven. All right. Uh, for me, I think that this cigar experience is going to be relative to what you're doing when you smoke it. It is a cigar that is there. It doesn't require maintenance. It smokes well. It has good flavor. You'll know you're smoking a cigar. It's strong enough. You're not going to forget. Um, this might not even be like an empty stomach cigar. It's it's sharp with that pepper. Um but that's kind of it. I've, I've got it a six for experience. Uh, I think that this is a great cigar to smoke with while you're doing something else. All right. So we've ranked the cigar and its total score is 37. So 20 acre farm by Drew Estate, five and a quarter by 54 Robusto. And this retails for 1325 here at Union Cigar Hanover, while a box of 20 will set you back $239, which is just 1195 a stick. Uh, coming in at a 37. So uh, interesting product and enjoyable smoking experience. Just a recap, mid-body, but uh, the strength is a little stronger than that. Uh, a lot of pepper, um, cedar, oak, citrus, some leather and cream. Uh, so hats off to Drew Estate. Thank you for bringing this, us this uh, unique product that uh, you know kind of sits alone in its own, own little niche. And uh, yeah, go out if you haven't tried one. Give it a give it a shot. I think it's I think it's worth it. And that's all we have for you today, folks. Thank you as always for joining Burnline Podcast. We will see you again next week. Bye.